guys, welcome back to the Back Self Show. This week on the show, we have a super cool founder, and Henry, who is the founder of a company called GoBubble. So GoBubble is a safer, kind, and healthier social media for kids. As a parent, I relate to that entirely, so super interested to hear his story. I don't want to tell you the story, you tell me about it. Solo Henry, imagine we're on a first date, take me back to the beginning, tell me about yourself. Hi, Thomas. The journey which I've been on, which has brought me to, to Go Bubble today and, and being a founder, I was a police sergeant, so I've worked with some of the worst things that can happen in terms of impacting children, young lives, and technology. And then through then, just basically decided to quit. Everyone thought I was having a moment of madness. Left the police, realizing that there had to be a different way of helping kids to be safe online. Okay, right. So let's um, start with when you left uni. So yeah, so uh, when I was in university, I had a degree in broadcast journalism, left that, became freelance reporter with the BBC, working in Liverpool. Nice. What kind of stuff were you reporting on? That was everything from problems with the Dockers at that time through to the general election when Tony Blair first came in. I even had to, at one point, I was working on a breakfast show uh, for a time as well. And you had to do certain features and record them. I'll never forget that one of the features that I had to record, uh, they hold they hold interviews, they hold pieces and, and segues. Uh, if famous people should die, you can quickly go and grab that and put it on a tape and it, and it plays out. Um, and the task I was given is I had to prepare one for the Queen Mum. Uh, so I had to go and interview people while she was alive who'd met her and you had to interview them and say, we kind of have to pretend she's passed away. So could you please talk about her in the past tense uh, and that was that was weird. That was probably one of the strangest jobs I ever had as, as a journalist. What was it? Wait, wait, let me just, I'm losing my mind here. So your job, this, is, this sounds like the most ridiculous grad job of all time. Your job was to go out and interview people to find out, to get a response for if the Queen Mother died. So you were ready to release that. Yes. Wow. I mean, now that is not what I expected to hear at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> okay, great. Well, there you go. That's something I've learned there. Nothing to do with startups, but amazing story. Okay, great. And so, so after after you were, you know, willing people to die unnecessarily, what you decided to have a career change? Yeah, well, a phone call basically came out of the blue and it came out from a really awesome guy called Arvin Edwards. He basically said, look, we've heard about you as a reporter. We like to hire reporters to come and work in our PR consultancy and working with a range of different businesses. So literally had a phone call out of the blue. So I went and met him, had a chat, and it basically it sounded great because the advantage of being a reporter is you know you, you learn how to communicate. You uh, understand the importance of disseminating information quickly, putting it in a succinct form, and then being able to pass it out to people so everybody else can can grasp it. At the same time, there was there were always sort of problems morally for me over like some of the stories you'd have to go to trying to speak to people when you know they're at their lowest point in life. And actually it was a case of well, how can you take the skills that you've learned and employ them in a different way to actually help people? So when this phone call came out of the blue, and I'd never considered PR, but a phone call came in the blue saying, look, do you want to come and work for us in PR? Because actually you can take those skills and start to help people now and help organizations and the charities that we worked with. So, so basically did that. So I did a kind of a small sideways step into PR. From there, went to a mixture of agencies, mixture of like business to business, business to consumer, 
uh, worked for. Uh, were you selling there? Were you learning like the commercial side as well? Because obviously you've got the skill around, you know, developing relationship with journalists. Yeah, it was it was client relationship management. It was yeah, being starting off as an account executive and then going up through. So then you're learning you're learning more and more about you know managing the budgets, about negotiating sales contracts, reporting, governance, etc. And then going through all of that, had great opportunities to connect to different people. Started picking up some awards, won an Economist Award for Management and Strategy. So cash there, slip that in there. What a great, love that. I just, just happened to pick up some awards. Come on, Henry, I love this. So it turns out he's the best guy PR in the world. Not only was he helping prepare people for the death of a monarch, he also was the best at PR in the whole of the Wirral. Yeah, uh, the, 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 I, I, actually bigger than that. It was, uh, it was actually, it was, it was a European award that I won. But you know, we'll, we'll... Ah! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm yeah, so being sorry. honest. So, so yeah, so went through that and got to work for a couple of different agencies. Then took a, a decision to go in house. So when are we now? A sort of early-ish, mid-ish twenties. Went in house to uh, to a law firm and became their national head of PR. So they had five different sites, looked after that. And then it was only more about professional services. And then you start to deal more with even higher levels of you know, risk around communications, but also at the importance, again, of, of communication at a higher level within organizations. And then sort of fast forwarding to that was starting to find that, okay, communications was good and it was enjoying, but there was, there was still that, that drive. There was still something inside that was saying, okay, I'm not doing everything I know I can do with the communications ability that I've, I've built up and I want to help people. And my parents were both teachers. And the one thing that, the one bit of career advice they always gave me is don't be a teacher. Uh, but both my parents are also teachers and that is exactly the advice they gave me. My brother's now a teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's weird, isn't it? it you know, it's, it's one of those. You know, and I know, you know from your background as well, you're know, being in the services, they, they actually say, that, and there's been some research that's been done, that people who are the children of either teachers or nurses or doctors or people in, in the public sector tend to then go on, if you, even if it isn't the same career path as their parents, there is something where there is that, again, that drive, that, that moral drive where they want to help. They want to do something in their life that's going to make a positive impact. So that's not a surprise that your brother's become a teacher. So a friend of mine, when I was working in the law firm, lent me a book called What Colour Is Your Parachute? This book was, was really interesting. And basically what it said, distilling a, a whole book down, wonderful piece of writing, but they said, get a sheet of paper, draw a line uh, up the middle and write about all the things that you have in your current job that you enjoy. Box next to it, all the things that you wish you did in your job that you don't have the ability to do. And then draw a line across the middle and then the things that you do in your current job that you dislike and the things that you never want to do at all in a job. And you'll start to see patterns that come out. So you're not talking about you know day-to-day -day activities, you're talking about the fulfillment that comes from it. So I started to make this list through and my friend looked at it and basically said, well, you realize that that, that, and that is a police officer. And it's like, okay, wow. Yeah, that, that was not on my radar at all. Hadn't even considered it, but let me have a think about it. And then thought more and more and actually started to make more sense. And it's like, well, actually, okay. Yeah. You know, I've got, you know, strong morals, you know, I know the difference between right and wrong. My, my mum always used to say a story that when I was about three, I'm walking around uh, Birkenhead. So I grew up in, in, uh, in the Wirral and going to shopping to, to Birkenhead and near where the Pyramid Shopping Centre is in Birkenhead now. And she never forgets seeing an adult, me age three, 
three or four, an adult drop a piece of litter. And I walked up and I picked up this piece of litter and I went after this adult holding the piece of litter and pulled them by the arm and went, this is yours and forcibly gave it back to them. And she was like, you know, that, that was- Oh my and, God. Know, examples like that and- Well, terrifying <laughs> for her. So there, there always been something there. So, so this, this, you know, this friend said, you know, it's a police officer thought about it more and more and thought, yeah, do you know what, why, why not? And at that point, I mean, I was taking a, a significant pay cut from you know, what I was doing to then say, right, you know, aged, what, 26, 27 at that point, I'm going to go right back at the very start of being a police officer. I'm going to go out on foot, you know, be a foot officer patrolling in the middle of December at half three in the morning around the streets of Chester. But it's what I want to do. So went for it, uh, got it. And um, yeah, that, that started off the journey of, of being in the police. And you recommend police officer as a career path? I always say there's two very good decisions that I've made. That was joining the police and leaving the police. I love that. I get it. Thoroughly enjoyed my time in it. Thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the, the camaraderie, uh, being able to help and support the most vulnerable in society. Loved it. Um, some people do that for 30 years and I take my hat off to them. I did it for coming up to seven years. And at that point, realized that, okay, it was kind of coming to the end of my life cycle in the police because you know, there were some things that I wanted to do and some bigger impacts that I wanted to make. You know, one of those was very much looking at the role of online safety in kids, which at that point, you know, was still in its, uh, no pun intended, was in its infancy. And that there were more and more work that I was doing with schools where I could see there was an opportunity to help schools in a bigger way than I could as a police officer. It was a hard decision. I was on a fast track to go up to superintendent rank. So I was getting you know, specialist training at the police management college down south. Lots of amazing opportunities to meet very brilliant minds. They used to have people that would go and visit there from like the FBI. And so, you know, real sort of wealth of opportunity but sat down with danielle my wife and said look do you know what i i want to take a, a step back from police i want to go out on my own i want to set up a business with the grace of god she was like yeah go for it you know i can see how you want to do this just go for it amazing so what was so so this i always say that every business starts when the founder sees a massive problem right one that they can solve so what was the problem that you saw the major thing do you know what yeah, that needs to be fixed. Yeah, and I can do. Yeah, it. exactly. And the main the main problem at that point, which I wanted to fix, is that there was lots of great resources out there to help teachers. There were lots of resources there to help parents, but it was very much that the problem was then being communicated by adults down to kids. Whereas, from my experience in the police, one of the things which you would see is that if a child had had a problem online, one of the first people that they will always go and speak to is a friend. They'll always go and speak to another child first of all. We always say, you know, come and tell a teacher, come and tell a parent, talk to us. And they do eventually, but that first disclosure, more often not, was to another child. So the idea which we had was basically to say, okay, well, what can we do to actually put children at the center of training their friends in how to be safe online? If that's where they're gonna get some information from, they're going to talk anyway. Well, why not give them the tools, give them the ability to do it? That started off the idea of what was called e-cadets. Again, went on to win a lot of awards. Was recognized for making the internet a safer place. Won top awards for innovation and went on to benefit more than a million kids 
attending schools where they had e-cadets. I was actually chatting with a teacher the other day and the teacher had been talking to a parent of a previous pupil. And this previous pupil was now, I think he was saying was like sort of 16, 17, was like coming to the end of high school. But he was a primary teacher. The parents said that their daughter, who was now coming to the end of high school, had never forgotten what she learned as an e-cadet in primary school and she was still living it day by day and that it made such a positive impact on their life. You know, through e-cadets, you know, we've seen so many things. Like there was one school that picked up e-cadets and started rolling it out. So it's very much a structured program where the kids get to learn about how to be safe online and how to help their friends. Very much like a peer leadership program. And in one school, they put it in and they'd appointed their e-cadets. They'd only been running for about a week. Then one of the children came into school and said, in a primary school, and said to the head, look, I was on Instagram last night. I know I shouldn't have been, but I was on Instagram last night. And I noticed that one of my friends posted a message saying, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. Or words to that effect. So they said, look, you know, I'm letting you know because you're the head. You know, you're the head. I'm an e-cadet. I've seen it, but I'm letting you know. The head went and spoke to the parent of this other child and the other child. Turns out that other child had been so severely bullied for six months, but no one knew about it. No teacher had picked up on it. The parents hadn't picked up on it. It had totally blindsided everybody. And the child said that when they put the message on Instagram, they were actually thinking of taking their own life. And if this child as an e-cadet hadn't seen it and hadn't known how to flag it to the head, yeah, so. Well, I mean, I mean that's, that's pretty serious. I mean, and look, hats off to you. you know, as, a, as a parent myself, thanks so much for being someone who's reaching out and trying to solve those problems. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So how did that evolve from eCadets into, into your business now? Yeah, so um, basically by, by working with so many schools and so many parents and teachers and kids directly, the, there was a question that kept coming up time and time again from all of them, from all these different audiences saying, right, we know that kids shouldn't be on social. We know that these platforms are, are too old for them, but they want to chat with their friends. And the, the analogy that you know, we used to talk about, it's like you know, when I come back from school, one of the first things you'd do is you go and pick up the handset from the kitchen. You'd be able to stretch it to the bottom step of the stairs and you'd phone your mates and you'd have a chat. And like your dad, your dad would be saying, well, why are you calling them? You've only just seen them. You just walked home from them. You, know, you just walked home with them. Why you can ring them now? It's like, well, I want to have a chat with them. It's exactly the same with social media and kids. Kids do not use social media because they want to be groomed. They don't use social media because they want to see bad content. They don't want to see it like with the, the recent incident on TikTok with the suicide video. They, they don't want to see that kind of stuff. They just want to chat with their friends. So they kept saying, look, well, what can we use? What can we use? And, you know, putting my hat on from what I learned in the police, uh, it was just a case of, do you know what? There's nothing out there that hand on heart, I can say, go and have a look at that one. That's okay. So it, it presented again, this significant problem. And you look at all the research, you have 78% of kids underage use social media, almost a quarter, 24% of them have been approached by unknown adults through social media and digital platforms. So, you know, it's a massive problem and globally. So in a moment of madness, basically thought, 
right, get that piece of paper out. Not the same one I did for the What Colors Your Parachute. It wasn't like the, the reverse side of it, but it's like, I've done this once before. I'm going to do it again. Blank sheet of paper, right, from the incidents which I worked on previously for the help and support we've given to schools, from what we know, like, parents and kids and teachers are talking to us about, what do they want to do? Uh, right, so we understand what they actually want to be able to do, which is connect and communicate and chat and share photos and do all of that. It's like, okay, well, where are the problems? And what we actually did, as opposed to build out the fun first, which is where tech traditionally does it, it's like build out all the engagement side first of all. We said, no, 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 there's one step back from that. You need the sheer guts to be able to say, what DNA do you need in a platform so it is safe for kids and that it's safer? And that basically led us to start doing some shopping round. We couldn't find a moderation system that was designed for kids. Moderation systems are designed for adults and people stick them into kid platforms. That basically starts on the journey of saying, well, before we even build out the social platform, we've got to make sure we can moderate the content first of all, because that's one of the big issues. And we've got to be able to do it in a dynamic way and that's tailored for kids. So basically we built that. So we built our own moderation software. It's called Go Bubble Wrap. And then on top of that, built the social layer, which is Go Bubble. Did lots of beta, you know, tested it, broke it, rebuilt it, broke it, rebuilt it. And then, you know, that saw us through some investment. You know, bootstrapped it, did some investment to bring in to help get to like proof of concept, uh, minimum viable product. Start of the academic year last year was finally able to say, right, Joe, there it is. You know, it's taken us four and a half years to build. A lot of tears, a lot of stomach ulcers, a lot of sweat, you know, going gray hair, but, you know, we've built it. So it's there now. It's start of the academic year to where we are now. We're now in 65 countries, got over 1,700 schools plus registered. We can moderate in 14 languages. and We're hitting more than a million engagements. Uh, so that's posts, views, likes, comments this month alone. So it's, and that's all been organic. No marketing spend, that's just teachers telling teachers about it, kids telling kids, and it going from there. So how do you do that? So you, you know, obviously word of mouth is a hugely powerful tool to, to grow your business. But where was your starting point? How are you getting critical mass? So were you personally just phoning around your Ecodec uh, clients, people you already knew? Were you obviously with your, your PR background was must have been sensationally valuable here because Gay PR around this must have been an absolute like, you know, hole in one because once people start talking about it, you understand because the problem is so obvious. And as a teacher, you would see that, but also as a parent, like I can see why I would want my kids to use this. So I guess like there's a lot of, so that was really kind of the, I guess where you started, but how do you, how do you get that critical mass so that your know, kids are using this and not being like, oh, this, this isn't cool. I don't want this. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, the, the PR background certainly helped because you, you, you can understand. Uh, I remember one of, the, one of the training courses that I went on and it was, uh, it was led by um, a chap who'd been a, a news editor for um, one of the, the main tabloids, I can't remember which one, like Mirror or something like that, but he, it was one of the PR courses, the one where I won the award for management and strategy and marketing. But one of the, one of the, one of the courses around that time, and um, basically he was talking about copywriting, how you can take you know, incredibly complex things and distill them right down for, for succinct communication. And one of the things that stuck out to me, and it's quite interesting because you see it a lot now with social, albeit in a different portrayal. The golden rule was, I, I challenge anyone who's ever read a, a press release to, to test this, the best press releases, the opening sentence 
can summarize the whole article in 20 words or less. You never wow. get you never get to word 21. Word 21 gets cut. So you've got to sum something up in 20 words. So by without knowing it, I mean that basically was perfecting an elevator pitch all those years ago. And then when you fast forward to now, in terms of like going out and telling the story and, and giving that narrative, because that's a big bit, you know, for for me, for business as a whole, it's all about relationships. And in particular, within the education arena, it is all about relationships. It's about that, you know, it's a longer sales cycle. But if you manage the relationships well, if you show that you actively engage with teachers, that you involve them in the process, which is what we've always done from the outset, then the relationships become stronger. And actually, you can then simply empower teachers because you are solving a real problem for them. So another one, um, 11 teaching days are lost every year in a school dealing with social media problems from outside. So you know, that, that's a massive impact. So by solving that problem for teachers, that's a very real headache that you're removing for them. So then by you know, working very closely with teachers, um, we are, uh, teachers for me are superheroes. They are. We're so privileged to work with them. And the, the interesting thing as well is... Um, for, as an entrepreneur, probably my first dalliance with being an entrepreneur was age seven when I went to a car boot sale with a cardboard box with some old toys and managed to negotiate that I didn't need to pay the five pound entry fee to set up a stall because I didn't have a car. I only had a box on a, a skateboard and then turned it up the other way. And that was, that was probably like negotiation skills. Um, but the, the one thing which, um, which is really important is that by working closely with teachers and showing that you understand the pressures that they're under, which means you know they don't have time, they don't have money, they're under incredible stress normally, let alone at this time. But the one thing that they are is problem solvers. They're creative and they are problem solvers. Now, normally, that's where the entrepreneur picks up that role in a relationship anyway. They have to be that problem solver and they have to be the creative that shows how something can be used. One of the things working so closely with teachers that we, re that we realized with GoBubble is actually, no, that's completely wrong in ed tech. You cannot be the entrepreneur and be the creative party in that equation because that's what the teachers do. So if you do that, it's it's too far. You've you've it's pretty much you've killed your product. You might get traction initially, but you will never get true scalability because you've taken away their core skill, their brilliance uh, by putting that in. And that's the advice the teachers gave us: is take the platform to a certain level, but then stop. You know, give us the freedom to use it how we want to use it, but don't be too prescriptive. If you're too prescriptive, it's gone. Um, and I think that's really what's helped its growth as well. So it's it's what I it, basically it's what I haven't done in this answer. It's being brief with the with what the problem is you're solving, uh, and then it's working very closely with the other party so they understand that it's enabling them to to do their job um, 
and enabling to add dimensions in. I think that's really good advice, actually, and I, it really resonates. I mean, I think what you've done there is you succinctly understood that that model of you know you're you're there, you're just captaining the ship, and you're just getting the right players in the right place to do what they can do, and using those skill sets around you, and certainly that network of teachers and so forth, and to really understand that problem with those people. And if you do really understand the problem and you have genuinely solved it. You're going to have product market fit and it's going to grow with that word of mouth, which you're talking about. Okay, so look, we haven't, we've, I mean, remarkably, we've almost run out of time because you've just been saying such cool stuff, which is great. Um, but I've got two questions which I want to ask, which I think are pretty interesting given your, your, your background. I think I know what the answer is going to be. What is, the, what is the one single piece of advice that you would give every founder because you've seen things from so many different perspectives you know you've been on the pr side you've worked high up in a legal firm you've been a copper you started a really successful trading company and now you've got this incredible social media company which has gone so well internationally what is the one piece of advice that you would give to every founder that you think is just what everyone should be doing oh what's the one piece of advice that's a really, that's a very good question the one piece of advice that I would give, which I haven't always done myself, and when I haven't when I haven't done it myself, I I have paid the price, and that's have fun. And and what I mean by that is, no matter what you're doing, find the enjoyment in doing it. So if that's doing product testing yourself, find the enjoyment in doing that because you know it's you're starting to see the embodiment of all of your thoughts if it's a sales negotiation you know have fun with it don't worry about too much about the bottom line aspect of the negotiation think about the relationship that goes along with it but also part of having fun is knowing when to switch off and you have to do that if you don't you'll burn out you'll kill your product you'll kill your company and worse still you even run the risk of killing yourself so yeah henry you've been absolutely amazing i mean i i, I love it. you've actually you've got me there like really thinking about it. i think it's really great advice and look thank you so much for for coming on the show you've been great i think this is what you're doing is incredible anyone who's got kids make sure you're bullying your parents into your parent well bullying your teachers to make sure this is available to everyone i think this is incredible and i wish you every success 